My name is Riley Murtha, and I am a mindset, self-love, and personal development coach, and also your host. This is Life and Shit, the podcast, where we discuss anything and everything. My intention with this podcast is simple, to create authentic, raw, real, relatable, all-encompassing conversations about life that offer unique perspectives around what it means to live well, what it means to truly feel good, and how we can achieve these things. So thank you so much for being here, and let's get to this week's episode. Okay, hi. Hi, guys. Okay, we're back. Round two. I'm here with Camille, Camille LaFrance. Um, we did Hello. an episode, I was just thinking actually that the episode that we did together was like probably almost exactly one year ago. Yeah, I would say it was around this time actually. Yeah, that's a trip. I think I was still, yeah, I think I was still like finishing school and all that stuff too. So much has changed for you, especially. I know that I was in Nicaragua when we recorded that episode. And if anyone's listening and they haven't checked that episode out, I definitely recommend it. I think it's probably one of the most more popular episodes of this podcast. And we were talking about our pasts as party girls. And the episode is called Retired Party Girls. And we're talking about that transition that so many people go through when you're trying to step into a new lifestyle or a new way of being. So yeah, it's it's crazy to think about 12 months ago, what was going on for, for you and for me and how much has changed since then. Yeah, totally. I feel like I was just starting my journey in the coaching industry. And I had, I was just coming up end of school about when we recorded that podcast and now over the last six seven months I've really kind of found my niche and I've gone into relationship coaching uh dating coaching and yeah I fucking love it it's amazing yeah I've loved watching you like navigate figuring out exactly what it was that you wanted to focus on and then watching you start to pump out lists like high value content about a topic that is so necessary And I mean, that's what led us to this conversation today, just because it's such a relevant thing and you have so much knowledge and you're such a great person to have these conversations with. And you and I have been doing that because I am navigating, I guess we're both in some way navigating the the world of dating as like a conscious, you know, like as these new versions of ourselves, which is completely different than the dating experience that I had in my twenties. So yeah, we're here to just kind of share about what those conversations have been like and what Camille is helping people achieve in her coaching program. Yeah, no, I find, um, I feel like pretty much anywhere I go, all people talk about is what's going on in their dating life. And long before even coaching, I felt like I was someone that everyone came to when it came to those kind of issues. But I myself was not in a position to be maybe giving advice because I wasn't didn't have the knowledge I have now so so to say but um but yeah no it's been it's been such a good journey and I think just my own past and all the things that I've been through when it came to dating is what led me here like I was like this is something I'm passionate about and something I feel like everyone should experience like a healthy beautiful conscious relationship in their life and I think the dating world now is just, it's a, it's a different one, but I feel like there is still, there's so many people out there. We just think people are 
shitty men or shitty women, but it's like, there's so many people out there who are doing this kind of work that want quality relationships. And it's just about finding those people who are on that same level as you when it comes to dating. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's such an important thing. And that's what makes a good coach is like, this is your zone of genius. This is something that people were coming to you for advice about before this was Mm -hmm. even a career for you. Like, that's how you know that this is where you're meant to be because it's something that comes so naturally to you and it's your own lived experience that is valuable to, to other people and sharing that insight. Um, one question that I've gotten and that I end up discussing a lot with people is like, what is conscious relationship? What does it mean to be in the world of conscious dating and seeking conscious relationships? So how do you describe that in your business? Conscious dating to me, I mean, it could be many different things, but I think how I interpret it is just a very, very open, safe, vulnerable setting where you are true, like you're able to be your true authentic self. You are able to express your needs. You are, you are heard, you are seen, you are accepted, you are loved. It is, I think there's this big misconception sometimes that people want to, everyone has like a dream of like the type of relationship they want or their dream relationship. But the thing is, those don't just, those things don't just happen. You also actually have to level up and become that person to have those type of healthy relationships. Like I know when I was dating and in super toxic things, I was like, Oh, I want this. And I I would have all these couple goals that I wanted to aspire to have. But the way I was living my life was in total disalignment and to the, like to the kind of relationships I actually desired. So it took a lot of years and a lot of work to really start to become that person, to learn how to communicate my needs, to learn how to set boundaries, to learn how to express myself, to be okay with being emotional, be okay with being too much. Like, I think a conscious relationship is just where both people are equally putting their, trying to do their absolute best and putting that work in together. It cannot just be on one side where someone is doing all the work and going to therapy and the other one's just sitting around doing nothing. Like a conscious relationship is two people showing up and doing the work, in my opinion, to have that kind of relationship. Yeah. That's how I describe it, I think, as well. It's like two people that are showing up intentionally and that are both on a journey, like a personal development journey of some kind. Like you have this shared desire to continuously become more self-aware and understand what your needs are and learn how to express them. And like two people who are working on themselves in a compatible way, as opposed to coming together and trying to like meet all your needs in someone else and ending up in something that's codependent or super enmeshed. It's like, I'm whole and I'm self-aware and I'm wanting to become the best version of me and then finding someone who's on a similar path which can create a really beautiful container for a relationship as opposed to something that's stagnant or something that's not going to have space to grow or it's going to be uneven yeah I totally agree with that I think because I see it a lot I see a lot of women that I work with that are they are doing the work they're going doing therapy they're doing coaching they're doing all sorts of work but their partner is doing nothing So when you are in a dynamic like that, you are constantly, no matter how much work you do, you are going to stay at the level that they are at because there's only like that. They're always going to bring you down. So all those patterns that you've broken through, all those cycles, all of that stuff, if they are still functioning in that, you are going to be brought back down to that level, no matter how much work you put into it. So 
it definitely has to be those two individuals coming together at the same place because otherwise it's just you're always going to feel like you're needing fixing or you're broken if you're in a dynamic like that otherwise. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I, before this call, literally just sent an email out to my group coaching program about the law of conformity, which states that your environment will overpower your intention every single time. It doesn't matter how good your intentions are. If you're putting yourself in a situation where you're surrounded by people who are not living the way that you want to live, you will absorb that on some level. Like it will affect you. I feel like such an important piece of self-awareness is knowing how vulnerable you are. Like you're not a superhuman. You don't get to choose what your subconscious takes in. Like you have to be so protective of your environment because you don't have that ability to filter things out and be as resilient as you think you want to be. Like you are affected by the people around you. So put yourself in situations where you are the least successful, the least intelligent, the least, you know, all of those things as uncomfortable as it is. And as much as the ego resists that, that's where you're going to grow. That's where you're going to benefit. And if you, if your relationship romantically, where you're spending all of your time and like cohabiting with co-inhabiting living with someone like yeah. your, your primary environment is something that is pulling you downward. Even the little things like spending time with someone and the way that they eat and the way that they talk and the way that they think you absorb that. Right. So it's important to be like really, really aware of that and really intentional about the spaces you're putting yourself in. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And I think, um, I think a lot of times with, with healthy dynamics, like we so many people think once you, once I have that healthy relationship or that conscious relationship, it's just, it's going to flow. It's going to be great. But I will honestly think that a conscious relationship takes way more work than a health, an unhealthy one, because you're almost dissociated when you're in a healthy relationship. Like you're, you're functioning in survival mode and just in a lot of things are in your subconscious and you're not totally in it or there in a sense. Whereas like when you're conscious, it's like everything has to be talked about every, the tone, this, that, like it's, it's more work, but it doesn't feel like like it's more work, but it doesn't feel like an insane amount of work because you're always getting a result at the end of it. You're not in that loop or that cycle of the same conversations. It's like you'll have that conversation and then you move, go to the next one because right. you are heard and seen and valued, you know? Yeah. You just took those words out of my mouth. Like it is more effort, but it's more productive because you're actually, I was thinking the exact same thing. Like you're actually truly being heard. You're being understood you're being validated and then something productive can grow out of that versus being stuck in the cycles in a toxic relationship of that never happening. Yeah. And you're just like, no matter how good of a couple you are, you're two separate individuals with two different thinking patterns, different life experiences, all of those things. Right. So you have to kind of still remember that. And like, but I, yeah, it's like one of those things, once you are with someone who is able to hold that space and be conscious and have that kind of relationship with you, things flow and you move through them so much quicker because it's not something that is going to keep reoccurring. It's talked about and you are able to move through it, but there's always going to be things that come up. And I always say to people like your relationship is only as good as how, with how you fight, because how you fight and how you reconcile, that is what's the tell all of how good your relationship truly is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. So what, 
when you're helping people understand that, what is a healthy or productive way to fight versus like a, a non-productive or toxic way of dealing with conflict and relationship? Um, something that's really helped me because I used to be such a little firecracker and my ego would get hurt a lot. Um, but I have found something, it's just an easy tool. If you feel triggered or fired up, an emotion only has the lifespan of 90 seconds. So, but when I first heard that, I was like, no, that's not true. Like I've been pissed off for days, but it is true. An emotion can only last for 90 seconds, but we start attaching feelings to it and we start attaching a story to it. And then we have this whole thing, like this is this big story. That's what happened. So I say just breathe. Like if you feel those moments where you are triggered, take 90 seconds to just breathe through it, whether it's a walk. If you don't feel like you need to do that though, it's just, it's communication and carrying that tone, no matter what, like there cannot be, uh, I just, I don't know. It was really hard for me with my last relationship because I definitely had a tone and you know, I had to really learn that, okay, I can still speak these needs, still be speak clearly without being to- having a tone to it or being disrespectful or putting someone else down. Mm-hmm. It's just, I would say the, the best thing you can do is just almost like when you're voice noting. I love voice noting. My partner and I used to do this a lot because then we wouldn't cut each other off in big combos. But it's like thinking that, but in real life, where it's like you will have to let that whole message or that whole thing finish before replying and let them know you like reflect back what you've heard. Yeah, I heard this and I see how upset that made you when I did this. Right. And then that, like, even if you have your own opinion after it's okay because you still feel heard, you know, like I remember my ex partner would say he would let me get it all out and he would reflect back everything to me. Like, yes, this is, I can see why you're upset about this. Now is it okay if I share from my side? And you know, it's like, it's like, yes, because I felt heard. It didn't have to be a big back and forth thing. It was just able to move the energy now to him. So I really think it's like watching your tone and your choice of words and just truly letting the person finish what they're saying, like active listening, not cutting them off, just truly being present and listening to what they have to say. Yeah. I would say that's I love that. Too. I love that visual or like that idea of thinking about people speaking as a voice note. Because when you're listening to a voice note, you're actually genuinely listening. Like instead of thinking about what you're going to say next, it's like a passive, like a, it's more of like a receiving, like you're just there to listen. You know that you can't like in the moment respond. So it's like a completely different experience. I love that. I've never thought about that in that way. That's super, super healthy because you're just able to hold space for it. And then you have your opportunity to communicate. And I think one thing that I've noticed in communication Um, as I've gotten more intentional with how I speak is you can have a disagreement with someone and you can have difference of opinions, but as soon as one party or both parties start to attack character, like it really all comes down to ego. Right. And one massive pattern that I've noticed in humans in general is the only time that that happens is if someone's feeling insecure, like all weird human behavior stems from insecurity. And when somebody feels insecure, a really common reaction to that is to attack the other person to try and make themselves feel okay. And as soon as that happens, it's no longer a productive conversation, right? It's not a good container for creating any kind of change or being heard or being seen or feeling understood. So I think that's a really, for me, as soon as I notice that starting to happen, I just remove myself. Yeah, I think that's a really good thing too. And I think it's, 
um oh sorry I totally lost my train of thought um happens uh, what did we just what did you just what was the last thing you just said just noticing when people are attacking character instead of expressing their feelings or telling you what your needs are telling you what my experience of this is when it starts to shift into an attack on character or something like more personal you're telling me what's wrong with me or that type of conversation it just it's no longer productive it's no longer for me yeah, no, I think the biggest thing, the biggest thing that I see with any couple, really, the problems in their biggest fighting is the ego. Yeah. The ego always wants to come forward and protect you. But sometimes you got to take a hit. Like, sometimes you got to take the hit in the sense if someone is saying, yeah, your behavior is not okay today, and I'm not putting up with that. Like, that sucks. But guess what? It's they're they're right. They don't actually have to put up with that, you know. But as soon as we feel like our we're being attacked or something, it's like, oh, I want to fire back or I want to like shift it back onto you. But it's like sometimes you just got to sit with that and be like, yeah, that sucks. I did do that. Or you know what? That is I, I did fuck up. But it's like it's OK. We're human beings. Totally. And I think that that's a really good example because there's a big difference between someone saying you did this today and that made me feel this type of way. That's valid. But if they're saying you're a bad person or you always do this and like that type of language where it's like they're trying to, to destruct like who you are and making negative comments about like your character. That's completely different than a situational, you know, sharing of what you did and how that made them feel. Yeah. I think something that's like one of my biggest things I try to teach people, which is so important when it comes to communicating is using I statements. Like, I feel sad when I feel sad when you don't make the bed. I feel, you know what, whatever it may be, but when you go at people with the, you never, and overgeneralizing, like the, you never, and you always, and you never, anyone who, I don't know about you guys, but like when I get someone who comes at me with that energy, I'm immediately like, ugh, you know, like get away from me because you feel they're just coming for you. But when someone comes to me, like I felt really hurt when you said that to me, I'm like, oh shit, you know, like. It's, it shifts the whole thing, but you have to speak from an I statement because that is you being clear and direct and speaking from an assertive place, right? Just saying, I feel this way when, or I feel this way because, and people are going to be way more receptive to you when you're not attacking them. 100%. That's so funny. That was in my email this morning as well. Um, it's like the difference between just sharing your experience and your feelings versus judging or criticizing or blaming other people, which is going to escalate a situation. Also, that type of distorted language using words like always or never, you know, that escalates a situation too. That makes people get defensive and that's what you want to avoid in communication. You just want to speak truth. You want to speak the actual yeah. reality of the, the matter and it's so unlikely. This is something that I teach my clients as well. It's like noticing that distorted way of thinking and speaking because it just creates drama. Even if it's just within yourself, you're creating drama where it doesn't need to be. And when you're doing that interpersonally, it just like, it just pours fuel on the fire, which is not what we want. Yeah. And like, honestly, I feel like most people are pretty receptive to that. But if you are with someone where you are actually speaking from that place of being clear and assertive and using those I statements and they still don't give a shit, then I wouldn't waste my time with them anymore because they are not willing to grow at the same rate you are or evolve with you as you're trying to go through that recording in progress i just realized i didn't press record when we started so all that testing the video oh well we'll start from here sorry i know that 
she just interrupted you, but I 100% agree. And I think developing mindful and effective communication skills is a massive part of building a healthy relationship. But I want to circle back to what you said about conscious relationship being more work than unconscious relationship, because I agree just in general, being a conscious person is more work than being an unconscious person. And I mean, that's why so many of us are unconscious people for so long, for long periods of our life, because it does require a certain level of commitment and energy going towards this growth, this personal growth journey that we're on. And then when you were saying that, I was thinking about how dating from a conscious lens is so much more complex than dating from just this like surface level, like just looking for, you know, someone to fit into this criteria, your criteria completely changes when you get to know yourself and you become a conscious woman or a conscious person. So you and I have been talking a lot about, I know that you're like very aware of like the experiences that I'm having as I try and navigate dating through this, this new lens in my life. So what is your perspective on what it, what's required to kind of date and assess potential matches from this like conscious perspective and when you know yourself a little bit more deeply yeah it's it's hard I feel like before when I used to date it would I I just had like I would go for funny tall um you know like the standard was so low like beyond zero and I find it's it is way harder now because you can see things so clearly, like so clearly, like I don't need to spend 10 dates with someone to know if they're going to be a good fit for me or not. I pretty much know within like, I would say one date, whether this person's aligned to me or not, whether I would want to move that forward. But I think it's, it's tricky. Conscious dating is tricky because like you said, a lot of the world is still in the unconscious. So I don't know about you, but I find for me, I think we had talked about this before too, but I find where I'm at now, I trigger a lot of men because I am so open and vulnerable and open to like doing that kind of work and talking about this stuff and expressing my needs and vulnerable. And a lot of people aren't there yet. So I find I get a lot of pushback from people where they're like, ah, this is too much for me. Like I honestly think that it is, for those kind of people, it is too much because they haven't tapped into that side of themselves yet. So the, our whole relationship ideally would be me triggering the fuck out of you the entire time being like, why aren't you doing this work? And from, I think for both of us, like I'm not, I'm at a place where I'm not going to teach someone how to be a man or how to be in a healthy relationship. Cause I've experienced that already with someone who knew how to do that. So going forward, it's like, there is a standard that I find it's just, it's tricky to meet people that are like men that are truly on that same level. In my opinion, like I haven't, I'll be honest, like I haven't quite met many guys that in the last little while of being single that are on that level. So I don't know how the dating world's been going for you necessarily too, but I just find it's, I see things way too clearly. Whereas before I would choose to overlook it or I don't know, or like this one situation, let's say this guy, he said he wanted me to come visit him, but didn't, but doesn't want a relationship. Old me would have been like, ah, oh, no, no, no. I'm going to go and make you fall in love with me because I'm fucking hot and you will like me. And I was like, you know what? 
I literally applied and said, that's all good. I'm actually going to pass on that because I know what I want out of my life and experiences. And when it comes to relationships, what kind of experiences I want to have that are open and fulfilling and all of that. So if I'm not going to have that, I'm not going to put myself in that position. And I think it's just like, you just become way more cutthroat. I feel like. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Cutthroat. Yeah. Well, yeah, because what's happening is you're able to see the yellow or the red flags for what they are sooner. And then it becomes a test. Like, are you, you see them, you know, what's going on. Are you still going to do this? And I feel like my journey, like I took quite some time away from dating, obviously, and well, maybe not obviously, but like, I think everyone goes through this, this part of the journey where you're on a self-love journey and it's just all about you. And you just kind of isolate yourself and you're just like deep in the healing and the self-exploration. And then Mm -hmm. you hit a point in that journey where you recognize that like the next part of your growth has to involve other people. You can't just heal alone. Like you become very, um, you feel like everything's under control, but it's an illusion because you've just isolated yourself. You've removed like the human interaction factor, which is usually what's triggering us in the first place, right? So you reach a point where you need to let other people in. So it's probably been like a year-ish of me like exploring dating again. And my whole perspective on it has changed. Like I don't have any expectation. I know that I don't need anyone to be happy. And I don't see people as like something that I, I need in my life. Like every time I meet a good guy, which in and of itself is a huge win for me because I used to, I used to have a limiting belief that guys couldn't be cool and like conscious. Like I didn't believe that they existed for so long. So I just kept like putting myself in situations with guys that were cool because I needed that. I felt like that was a need for me. And Mm -hmm. I, I didn't believe that there was something else. And then as I reintroduced myself to the world with this new understanding of self, I started to receive affirmation of the fact that there are men like that. And instead of trying to like latch onto them and needing them, I would just see them as like a pillar of like affirmation and just like a sign that I was on the right track. And every single guy that has come into my life, like I've been traveling and meeting people and meeting really cool, conscious, really like-minded, really similar to me type men, each one has taught me something about okay, yes, this does exist and this doesn't work for me and this does work for me. And each person that's like put in my path is more and more and more aligned with what I'm seeking. And I see a lot of it as tests. Like, am I going to settle? Am I going to overlook this red flag? Am I going to try and make this work when I know that it's like not necessarily for me? Or am I going to take it as the lesson and keep moving forward and keep refining? Yeah, no, I love that. I think it's, I think that's the best way to do it is look at that because like, I think we're in, we're in two very different situations right now, but you're like getting back into that. Whereas I'm like just coming out of something very long term. but I think it's, it is like lessons. It's very much so like now you get to see more. So like, Oh, I like that. I like that trait in that kind of person, but you know what? Maybe not that. And it's not looking at them as anything bad. There's maybe nothing actually wrong with them. They're just not for you. You know what I mean? So it's like, they're still great people, just not for you. And it's just taking like little, but I think you're right. Like you're on that path of like taking one, one person here and some traits from that. And like, okay, the next one, it's like, it is slowly moving you closer to that person that is more meant for you. And it's like, we're never going to find perfect. Like someone can only pretty much be 80% of what we need. So, but I think as long as you're with people that are always like 
I love what I love this. They have a similar vision. They they have a purpose in their life and they're willing to grow. Like you can work with that. But if someone is just, this is me, this is who I am. Like, mm -mm, see you later. Yeah. I like that. And I think that there's so much to be said for just knowing, like knowing your worth and knowing what you want. Like you have to know yourself on a deep, deep level to actually know what you're looking for in relationship. Otherwise you're just kind of looking for someone who is willing to kind of go through the trauma of trying to force something to work. Like, obviously you can be physically attracted to someone. Obviously you can have chemistry with someone, but there's more to it. Like there's more to compatibility than just the physical or just, you know, one thing. So it's figuring out like what your needs are. And for me, I had a huge realization, like literally last week that my entire life so far, my wants and needs have been mixed up. Like you said, I thought I needed a guy that like, looked a certain type of way, had a certain type of career, a certain level of success, a sense of humor, got to like the same music as me, like all of these <laughs> things, right? Like those were what I thought my, my list was. Like I've literally sat down and written out like what my ideal partner looks like. And then the universe like kind of tested me, as you know, just recently and sent me someone yeah. who had literally every single thing on that list. And yeah. When I got home from hanging out with that person, I felt really dysregulated. I had a lot of anxiety. I felt this like friction inside of me and I couldn't understand what was going on because it's like, what? This person's fucking perfect. This is the guy that you've said that you've been looking for. Like, you know, 6'2", great body, similar career, very similar lifestyle. Yeah. Like all of the stuff that I said that I wanted, the universe does this. And that's why it's so important to manifest very carefully and very intentionally and with a lot of detail because the universe can send that in a human form where it's like, okay, on paper, this all makes sense. But my nervous system was like, nope. Right? Like my nervous yeah, system was like, this ain't it. And I realized that my wants and my needs were backwards because my needs are a mature, consistent, stable, masculine energy. That's what mm -hmm. I need. I need someone who makes me feel secure and safe. And who, someone who is reliable and someone who is consistent and someone who is able to take the lead and be in that masculine energy and allow me for the first time in my life to like actually relax into my feminine, my divine feminine energy, right? Because yeah. my entire life, I've been around men who make me feel, yeah, it's exciting. I've picked the exciting guys, the bad boys, the fucking roller coaster. Like that's what I've always chased. And that has never allowed me to feel safe. That has never allowed me to feel secure in the relationship, which has meant that I'm actually taking like a masculine role of having to like protect myself and be, you know, someone who's providing structure and making sure everything's taken care of and like taking that lead in the relationship in order to try and save something that was never going to work in the first place. And I'm realizing now that my needs are actually just someone who can do that for me so that I can come into that balance with my feminine energy and from there that's what a partnership like should look like and needs to look like for me and if you like rap and you're you know <laughs> obviously there has to be physical attraction as well but like some of those other things are negotiable and I was like blinders on looking for this certain type of guy when that's actually not what I need no I I totally agree and I think when it comes to like oh like the whole yeah, going into like the masculine energy thing, like I'm the same with you. Like my whole life was being masculine in the masculine because, and I remember, I remember 
a pivotal moment in high school where something really, really awful happened. And, and I remember all these boys wrote this note to me and it had all these mean things said on it. And I remember reading it just being like, I can just cry about this or I can just never cry again. And like, I remember having that conversation. Like if I'm thinking, like if I live in that feminine and be girl, a girl, I am not going to survive in this lifetime. And I like, I genuinely have a lot of compassion for myself. Like even living in the masculine, like that did protect me a lot, but it very much so when you want a conscious man who is also in his masculine and you're still functioning in that place, you are going to have so much clash. And I lived it for like the first year of my relationship. Yeah. Because it's like, I was so used to like having to control everything and having to be the boss of everything. And, paying the bills and doing this and doing that and making sure everything just was okay all the time. And I think, but when you were doing that, I would by living so much in that masculine energy, I polarized so many guys living in their feminine because the polarity was there. It was just backwards. Right. Whereas, so uncovering that when I was in my last relationship and, you know, even just those survival mode, like we have a conversation and he would say something and I'm like, well, I guess you don't like me then, or you don't want to be with me. And he would be like, no, I'm just like trying to express something to you. And I was like, oh my God. Like, I, but again, like I thought I had worked through all that stuff and then seeing that and the, he just constantly would remind me like, you're safe. Like you're safe. You don't need to be like that. You're safe. Just breathe, like come down. And it took a long, long time, but I can see how much better things started to go when I just trusted him, just Mm -hmm. trusted him to take the lead and just let him do that. And then I was able to chill. Like he was always trying to do those things for me and like be that person for me. But because I was so much in the masculine, there was no room for him to come in. Right. So he kind of pushed him into more of that feminine because I would just do it anyway. Mm. Whereas it was really interesting to like live it and like watch that shift start to happen as we started doing more work around that stuff and seeing that stuff. And just letting me like come into that space more as my feminine and crying. And it was okay to cry. It was, I wasn't too much or I wasn't those things. It was, it was safe to cry. You know, I'd never, ever experienced that before. Yeah. That vulnerability, right? Like we always Mm -hmm. have like a mask on. And I think probably realistically, the reason you and I like magnetized each other when we met is because we were both like super in our masculine energy and we were like these like dominant kind of like big energy, big dick energy females in the the group that we were in. And I like what you're saying about kind of recognizing the moment when that shifted for you, because I think I had a, um, a realization around that kind of just recently as well. Like my first relationship was something that I really chose. Like I like stalked this man for like four years. Like I, we went to school together <laughs> and he was like my Brad Pitt. You know what I mean? Like I was like that guy that's who I'm going to date. Like, and it took four years, but finally he like knew that I was on earth and, you know, we started to like enter into a relationship together. And that was like me and my feminine. Like, I was just like, yes, like I've, this is it for me. Like lead the way. Like he was older than me. And I was like young, I was like 16. And I was just like, I was able to surrender in that experience. Unfortunately, that experience was really traumatic and it didn't end well. So after that, the walls went up and that's when I kind of stepped into that like bad bitch, like ice queen, like boss bitch persona, right? Which is a defense mechanism and it is productive and helpful in some ways. Like it's not necessarily a negative thing, 
But there has to be balance, otherwise that will stunt your growth. If you lose your ability to be vulnerable, if you lose your ability to cultivate that and lean into and relax into that femininity, that's not yeah. going to serve you in the long run. It's it's exhausting. Like <laughs> to live in the masculine energy all the time. Yeah, shit gets done and you feel like you're in control and things are moving, but it's like you're also like there's so many women I see that are just feeling so like not whole within themselves. And it's because I think they push that part away from them so much. That's like, Oh, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be her. I don't want to be a baby or whatever, but it's like, we need to like integrate too, because we need both of those energies. They both serve a purpose and they both help us feel more whole within ourselves, you know? Absolutely. It's like the harmony. And for anyone who doesn't understand or maybe who isn't familiar with like the difference between the masculine energy and the feminine energy, the way that I help my clients understand it, and you you can share your perspective as well, but like it's the being versus the doing. Like the masculine energy is like the get shit done, like goal oriented, keep it moving, like provide the structure. It's the doing, 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 achieving, accomplishing like providing energy versus Mm -hmm. the feminine is the being it's like the creativity and the intuition and like the softness and the nurturing and the flowy energy and men need to have mass or feminine energy as well like we want them to have that harmony also they need to be able to take the lead and have that like secure healthy mature masculine but they also need to have that connection with their feminine they also need to be comfortable being vulnerable and having that connection to their emotion right like the masculine is more of a logical approach to life and the feminine is the emotional and we both we all need to have both yeah I, I teach it in a very similar way to that too it's more like yeah the doing like when you look at what healthy masculinity is like leading providing structure all of those things like i it's do 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 but like we are not meant to do that as women. It's exhausting after a while. And just because we can doesn't mean we good. Yeah. And I find too, like, you can also start to like, if you are in like a relationship or you feel like you are leading more in that masculine, you can also start to inspire your partner to lead in his masculine energy more. Like, I really like to teach people things when it comes to like dating, saying you know, like, oh, this man the other day said, I'm going to make a, I'm going to plan a date for us. And then I'll, I'll let you know the details. And I was like, oof, love a man that make, can make a plan. You know, like, it's like, I, or telling them, like, it makes me feel really good when you plan this, or I love when you lead me, or I love when it makes me feel really special when you take the garbage out, like inspire your man's masculinity to come up too, because that in turn is going to go back to you where you are able to rest more in your feminine. But when you're going at it with like a mothering angle and a nagging angle, no guy wants to, no guy wants to listen to that. It's like inspire them to be in their masculine and inspire them to be open in their feminine too and hold that space for them. Because I find a lot of times with women too, it's like they had this one friend and she was like, I feel like guys open up to you so much easier than me and I said to her like you and I could go in a room with the same guy for an hour and I would know way more about him but it's not because he likes me more and I'm prettier it's because I am emotionally available and vulnerable and nine out of ten times a man isn't just gonna go oh my god I love you so much you are perfect like you have to be the one to inspire that right by being vulnerable and open 
and letting them see that it's okay for them to drop that shield. It's okay for them to drop into that, that feminine, like emotional space because you're allowing it and you're accepting of it, you know? Yeah. I think that's a really good point, especially about like the encouragement and like the way that you're approaching leading them and showing them that you want them to be in that masculine energy. Because if there's one thing that men in my experience don't like, it's being nagged. Like they don't want to be micromanaged. They hate that. So if you can find ways to provide that positive reinforcement and and make it known what your needs are in a way that almost like coming from that, from vulnerability too, like just letting them know what it is that you want and need versus telling them what they should be doing and why aren't they doing it and like that, that energy. So there's so much when it comes to like understanding these different energies and figuring out what you're, where you're, where you're at, because we all have like a dominant energy that we're in. A lot of my clients are more on the feminine and they're looking to cultivate their masculine to, to find the balance. And then there's women like you and I who you know, are working through the opposite. And then the same happens for men too. Like we've been attracting these like men in their feminine energy. And so we're all on this journey of seeking, like it's the yin and the yang, right? That's literally what that is. It's the darkness and the light. And they need to be with not only like in harmony with each other, but they're also within each other. There's literally the black and the white and the dots and like it's all one thing. That's literally what that image represents, right? So it's figuring out where you're at currently, what your deficiency is, and then how to cultivate that and how to like really bring that energy that you you haven't experienced enough of into your reality. And then watching what how that shifts something for you and especially in terms of dating, right? Yeah, I am such a big believer in it because I I see the benefits it's had in my own life as well as other people's lives when they start to like really tap into that, right? And But you're right, it's about finding out first and foremost what energy you predominantly are functioning in and then learn how to cultivate the other ones or like learn how to like integrate the other one as well because they're both useful and we need them both. (laughs) So it's just trying to embody them in the healthiest way possible. Yeah, and that's just one like faucet facet of getting to know yourself, right? Like that's one piece of the puzzle and this, this journey of getting to know yourself and understand yourself so that you can attract a partner has so many pieces to it. I had a client ask me the other day, like, she's like, I just don't trust people. She's like, I've been, we have something in common, like me and this client of dealing with narcissists. I have a whole episode about that as well. If that's something that anyone listening wants to learn more about, I have a really great episode with a specialist on narcissists. Um, but she's like, I have a really hard time trusting people now because I've been so gaslit and, you know, been through this horrible experience. Like I have a hard time letting people in. So how am I going to know, how am I ever going to attract someone? And I basically said to her what I said earlier in this conversation, which is like, can I, I said, I let her speak. And then I said, can I ask you a question? And she said, yeah. And I said, when you were with that guy, how did your nervous system feel? And she's like, fucking horrible. And I was like, yeah, it did. And not to judge or like not to make assumptions, but were there red flags that you overlooked in that relationship? She's like, yeah, hundred percent. Right. And I'm like, okay, so that's never going to happen to you again. Because now that you understand your needs, you understand your nervous system and you understand what you're actually after in a relationship and what you will not tolerate and what the red flags are, there's no way you're going to put yourself back in that situation. Like all you need to know is that you're on this journey 
you're becoming whole, you're evolving, your vibration is raising, and that's going to attract a different type of partner to you. I li- I'm yeah. currently living this, right? Like I have, totally. my frequency has literally changed so much in the last like six years. Like when my old type, like in quotations, approaches me now, I have a physical like energetic reaction in my nervous system of like knowing that that is not for me. And these new types of men that I didn't even believe existed five years ago are consistently entering my reality in all types of different ways. So it's possible and it will happen. And it's just trusting your body. Like your body knows what it needs and listening to that and tuning into your nervous system and what makes you feel regulated and grounded and what doesn't and trusting your intuition and not overlooking those red flags. Yeah, I think that's the where with a lot of stuff when it comes to narcissism and those kind of relationships, I think a lot of it stems from, I don't even know if it's that you don't so much trust men, but it's like the lack of trust that you have within yourself and your own judgment, right? So exactly. it's like trying to like, you have to find ways to rebuild that, whether even it's even little things, but you have to, again, like your, your body always knows. And something I learned a while ago, which I found so interesting was when you experience butterflies on a first date, it is not butterflies, it's anxiety. Yeah. And it's like, it makes sense because I I don't know about you, but there's certain people, whether it's not even just dating and stuff, but certain people you come into contact with and it's like, you feel like they're home, right? It feels like safe, they're home, you can be yourself. And it's like, even if it's a first interaction, but when it's like, we are going on those dates and feeling like, oh, I think I have lots of butterflies. That is the first sign that your body is like, no, 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 no. Yeah, you're rejecting that person. Like your body is rejecting that experience. And we've been taught that love should be exciting. And we watch these love movies where it's like the big chase and then the big reward. And it's like, that sets us up for failure and understanding what relationships should feel like. What you said is exactly like word for word what I said to that client. So your question is, how are you going to trust people? I'm like, it's not about people. You just need to build your own trust back and 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 choosing, trusting and believing that good people are out there and they want to get to know you. Right. And understanding that, that what you just said from a somatic level is so important because like from a physical perspective, anxiety and excitement are the exact same physical and emotional experience. It's only the story that you're telling yourself, which determines if that's a low vibration experience or a high vibration experience. So you can manipulate yourself into like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. Like this feels so good. Or you can be real with yourself and be like, oh, this is like activating fight or flight for me. So probably not going to be good for the long term. Totally. And if you're going on that first date and feeling those feelings right away, I just want to know how you think the rest of that relationship is going to go. Like it's going to be those feelings but tenfold throughout the, the whole entire time, you know? Like it's just being very being able to pick up on that and trusting yourself in that right away. Like, I, I don't know, but I'm like, I don't know about you, but pretty, pretty rapidly I can feel right away if my energy feels safe within a man, with a man or not. Like I just, I can feel it, whether it's, even if they're not pursuing me, just like a man in general. Right. So it's like really just trusting mm. that. And it doesn't mean there's anything bad, bad about them, but it's like something isn't sitting right for you and that's okay. So just trust that. Yeah. And I think there is something really valid about cutting it off, like really important about cutting it off, like 
sooner than later because as humans, we get attached. I've done it. Mm -hmm. I've gotten attached to people that I literally at the beginning was like, this person is not for me. But it's like literally Stockholm Syndrome. Like you will grow attached to someone even if they fucking kidnapped you. Like if that doesn't show you something valuable about our attachment system and how we are as humans, I don't know what will. So you have to recognize those red flags and leave the situation before you become attached to that person regardless. Totally. I think too, like something I see a lot, I've been so guilty for it in the past as well too, but ideally like idealizing somebody before you actually know them like we just Mm -hmm. you know what it's like you see someone that has one trait maybe that you like that you're like oh yes I like that and then you start oh because he owns a business he must be this must be that he must be this he must be that we start creating this person that instead of actually like seeing them for who they are we start idealizing who this person may be because of this one thing we like about them you know like when it's like, oh, I like this celebrity. It's like, oh, I would date him because he's a celebrity. But it's like, then you'll attach all these other things and create this whole story about him that's not even true. And you don't actually see the person in front of you because you've created this whole story for your own benefit to be like, yes, this is the person I'm looking for. So it's like, stop idealizing people before you actually know them. Yeah, and see them for who they are. Don't don't fall in love with people or attach to people based on their potential because I've I've fucked myself over on that more than once. It's like, yeah, like everyone at their core is a good person. Everyone. You know what I mean? Like everyone, even serial killers. Like, yeah, we all have, or not we all, but like a lot of people have trauma and they're showing up in the world in weird ways. But like at our core, everyone's good. That doesn't mean that you should give everyone the benefit of the doubt or that you should engage with everyone. Because like if you subscribe to that you're going to be giving your energy away to everyone because you can find good you can manipulate yourself into seeing the good or seeing the potential in literally anyone so just see people for who they are right now and if that's compatible for you right now and if it's not leave with love like it doesn't have to be drama it doesn't have to be from hate I like what you said earlier like compatibility is a completely different issue than being right or wrong or good or bad it's like this just ain't for me that's okay. doesn't yeah. mean that you're a bad person. doesn't mean that I'm right, you're wrong. It just means that, like, this is not going to serve either of us. This is not in either of our higher, highest goods right now. It's just like when you have friends of, like, friends even of the opposite sex. Like, I absolutely adore the guys I'm friends with. Would I date them? No. Because <laughs> we have nothing aligned. Do you know what I mean? When it comes to, like, relationship styles. But it, that's what I mean. There's so many good people out there. But I think a big problem I see is... The same women who want relationships are the same women that say, I hate men. Yeah. And that is going to be a big issue for you because I I know what it's like to be hurt and you know what it's like to be hurt. Like it fucking sucks. But when you are like carrying the narrative, like I hate men and men suck, like the universe is just going to keep delivering that to you. Here's another one. Here's another one. Yeah. Here's another one. Like I, you know, like I, I have had horrible experience but I try to say it a lot like I love men right genuinely just walk around saying it like out loud sometimes like I love men I love strong healthy men because I do I love and I do feel with certain men in my life that are guy friends that are health that do embody healthy masculinity I feel very safe around them right so it's like we can't you can't be that person that's saying you hate men and they all men all suck but still want a relationship those don't go hand in hand 
Yeah. I just heard another conversation on another podcast and they were talking about literally exactly this. And when I think about it, like there's a part of your brain called the reticular activating system and it's the filtering system. Like there's so much stimuli stimuli happening like in your world all day, every day. There is some part of your brain that has to determine like this is relevant, this is irrelevant, and that's what brings things into your conscious awareness, right? So what you are looking for is what you're going to find. And that's why when you learn a new word and then the new word is everywhere, like you have to actually give your mind like a, a game plan of what we're after. And if you're consistently saying, use me for an example, I was saying, oh, there's no cool conscious men. I wasn't saying conscious at the time because I didn't even know that word existed, but I was like, there's no guys that are like good and cool. Like there is none, there's none, there's none. So the universe was like consistently bringing me guys that were what I was perpetuating with my thoughts, words, and energy. And as that shifted, so did the type of, you know, people that were in my world. So I think that that's a really valid and really important piece of the puzzle is like instead of saying there's no good guys like I love what you're saying about walking around saying like I so appreciate I love like this and that and I love men and I also think that's a really good point too because I don't want to come across in this episode as like someone who doesn't believe in love or a man hater because that's absolutely Mm -hmm. not it I think that both men and females have you know or like whatever you identify as we all have our shit we all have our shit so it's not about anyone being good or bad or there being no good people no good men it's nothing to do with that it just like we said comes down to it being a lot more complex when you understand how complex you are and as you get to know yourself I definitely believe in like healthy conscious partnership I see it in the world I want that for everyone including myself right that like that I, I almost said storybook, but it's literally the opposite of that. Like this just like healthy growth oriented partnership where you're actually adding value to each other's lives instead of taking away and lowering yeah. each other's vibrations that exists. So, I, do, I do feel like it is storybook though. Like it is as much as it's work though, but it is like, that is the doing that work and having that type of relationship is the closest you're going to get to that fairy tale, what kind of relationship you want in a sense. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's just, um, I think I, I see it just, yeah. Too many times where people project out how much they, yeah, hate men. And I don't think it's about men and women. Cause I have a lot of guy friends who tell me horrible stories about women as well. I think it comes down to the person and people. Right. And it's like, you have to like, I I just, the one thing I can't preach enough is like, get so clear on like what you want and not in like the sense, like it's, there's going to be people that maybe you didn't think you even wanted, but it's like clear and like you're, you have to know yourself and have to know your values, what your non-negotiables are, what you stand for, what you're, what you believe in, what you want your vision to look like. If you don't, if you are dating without any of that stuff, it's just going to be a nightmare. You are constantly going to be with people who are not aligned to you, dysregulating you, it's just going to be the same pattern over and over and over. Like it's exhausting. Yeah, I agree. And that has to be consistently evaluated too. Like from a personal, I I help my clients go through conscious dating inventory of all of those things that you just said. Like, what are my red flags? What are my green flags? What are my deal breakers? What are my non-negotiables? But you have to be constantly revisiting that because I just had a huge like epiphany in the fact that like, my deal breakers were not my deal breakers and my non-negotiables were not my non-negotiables. And as you 
continue on your own journey of getting to know yourself better and better and better. You have to be reevaluating that. And then you have to be embodying that in terms of like, actually, you know, when you, when you notice your deal breaker, you have to set the boundary. Like you have to practice what you preach yeah. <laughs> and follow for the consequence. No, I think that's a good point because these things can evolve and change just like if this boundary or this thing is no longer serving you drop it you don't need it anymore you know like they have to be able to evolve but i will say too with like uh like my last relationship for instance like i find being being a coach and i don't know about you but i feel more than ever now too i have to live in alignment to like what i'm essentially teaching mm-hmm. and my last partner was like I still love him very much. Like he's an amazing human being, but we were getting to a point where I want to have kids and he's not quite there yet. And so it's a really tricky thing, right? Where it's like, I was like, what would I say to my clients? I would tell them to move away from that and find someone who is wanting those same things as them. So it's like, you also have to, as much as I love this person, this is the love of my life, but I'm like, I have to choose me and put myself first and trust that the universe is going to, deliver what I need and what I want but it's you know what I mean like it's taking like no matter how hard things are you have to be able to put yourself first and truly embody and live in alignment with the things you teach and all of that stuff like I I couldn't I just it didn't feel right to me to teach people on leaving this stuff and doing this and do do this and that if I am literally doing nothing of that over here you know like I have to embody that as well yeah For sure. You have to hold yourself to a really high standard when people are looking to you for advice on the topic. And I think that like what you just described is a principle of manifestation as well, right? It's like, yeah, maybe this person does meet a lot of your needs and they are the love of your life. But if there is that incompatibility, you have to consistently make space. How are you going to, that's something that people don't understand. And I think that's the importance of like keeping fuck boys out of your life and like setting those boundaries and it's better to be alone than to be settling because that person's taking up valuable fucking real estate in your life. You're giving them your time and energy. And when that spot is filled with someone that you know is not meeting your criteria, you're blocking that next, you know, manifestation from entering your reality. Totally. That's exactly kind of how I felt too. And it's like, I wouldn't even consider myself necessarily dating right now, but I would say, I like to say it more like I'm, I'm the energy I'm putting out is like, I'm open. I'm open to receiving. I'm open to possibilities. I'm open. And those things will come more down the road once I feel more ready for that. And I've healed more, but I think the energy I do try to carry and give out is like open and that I'm, I am open. I'm happy. I'm ready to receive those things. Right. Regardless. But or I, I could just close down and be like, oh, this is, I'm never going to meet someone like him again. And, you know, maybe he is the person, maybe he's not. But I also feel like I had to move away from that and be open to new possibilities to see if there is more out there for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, speaking of being open, I want to, uh, that was a really good segue. Um, I want your opinion <laughs> on, in this chapter of your life or the chapter of life that a lot of your clients come to you from, what is the vibe around casual sex? Uh, I'm going to say casual sex does not exist. That's my opinion. I, I am someone who had a lot of casual sex in my lifetime. And let me tell you, it is the most draining, empty, soul-sucking feeling you can have. 
because I think as for men, I think they are more capable of casual sex because there's only dopamine being released for them, right? So that's all it is. But for us, there's a whole nother level of the oxytocin being released, which is like the essential thing that makes us love and addiction and all of those things, right? So I just don't, I don't believe it. I don't believe in it. I don't think it's healthy. I think it is the biggest energy transfer you can have with another person. And it's so sacred and so spiritual. And I didn't, I don't think I even understood the level of sex and how deep and passionate and intimate it can be until my last partner. But like, holy fuck, it's like, it's the most spiritual experience you can have. And it's so incredible that why would you want to give that away to just anybody unless you feel like that's truly soul aligned to you if you feel that is your purpose to like give your energy away to multiple people then do you but i'm like for me and what i see a lot with clients it's it is you are left so empty because every time as a woman you do that your womb stores parts of those people and their traumas and there's whatever it may be right so you are constantly taking on these things and it's just it does not work i've never heard like casual sex love success story like maybe they do end up dating from casually having sex but just staying in casual sex does not work yeah I don't know what do you think about it yeah no I agree and like we had a similar you know past of being wild and whatever and when I think about that now it is amazing to me that I couldn't see the consequences of that I think it's one of the biggest forms of self-sabotage in a sense because we're lying to ourselves I love what you said about the dopamine and the oxytocin because that's a huge contributing factor but just energetically like the reason why I'm currently celibate is not for any other reason other than the fact that like I am so protective of my energy my frequency my vibration and I'm not going to engage with that level of intimacy with anyone who's not where I'm at you know what I mean like you are not lowering Mm -hmm. my vibration and I am not I'm not creating an energetic cord with anybody who is not like giving on the same level that I am. That's not going to inspire me and empower me and like lift me up. And I haven't come across that. It's not to say that like, I'm not going to ever have not have sex. I'm not going to, I don't know the too many double negatives there. I'm not (laughs) saying that I'm going to stay in celibacy my entire life, but I'm so intentional about like, where my energy is going just in general. That's why I don't drink. That's why I don't hang around certain people. That's why I'm so intentional about the communities that I put myself in and the environments and even the countries and the cities that I'm putting myself in at this point and the locations I'm at. Like everything is about empowering myself through where I'm placing myself and the energy that I'm around. So why and how could you think that you could have that type of interaction with someone and not have energetic consequences and emotional consequences yeah I I remember like I remember having certain experiences and I was completely dissociated like I felt like I would be like on the side of my bed like watching myself in those experiences like I don't know how to explain it but I was so disconnected because I didn't want to do it that I just like I had to disconnect from that but it's like when why would you ever want to disconnect yourself from something that's so incredible and beautiful and like just amazing you know like it's such a cool experience to have like that depth and that love and that nurture so it's like I could never I I know what you mean like I just couldn't at this point like to each their own whatever but it's like for me personally I I've seen myself before I get attached to people that are like complete losers and I'm like 
why I don't want to be thinking about you. I don't want to be attached to you. I don't want to think about this, but it's just as women, we are receivers. So we are constantly just receiving and receiving. And those are going to affect us down the road. You know, like once you're, when you're doing that regularly, I also find I teach in my program too. And like one of the segments is about sex and I think a lot of people really don't know, like, what is your deepest sexual desires? Mm-hmm. Like, being clear about that, what would it take for you to feel sexually nourished in an experience? Like, almost asking yourself those questions, because I think a lot of time it's it's such a shameful topic, or it's something that's, I don't know, we're shamed a lot as women, but you getting super clear on, like, what it would take for you to feel so desired and nurtured in that experience is huge. Yeah. And... Yeah, I know for me, like, I, yeah, I've had lots of fun random sex in my life, but I love making love, and I love that, like, depth and, like, the passion and all of that stuff, so I don't want to have sex if it's not, like, out of this world, passionate, amazing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, why would I? Totally, and, like, that's that's it. I mean, this is not about slut-shaming because, like, we've both had a hoe era, you know, or maybe yeah. multiple hoe eras, and, like, I think yeah. that's kind of part of the journey as well. You have to sometimes learn the hard way, but it's really more about just, like, the fact that you're trying to get a need met, and that's maybe not the most effective way to have that need met. Yeah, sex is amazing. Yeah. Sex is fun. Sex, pleasure, and intimacy are such important pieces of human experience, but when you're consistently putting yourself in those situations where you're not really even getting that, like, you're, again, you're taking up space in your life and preventing yourself from finding the connections where maybe you can really explore sexually and really get your needs met and really get to know that intimate version of you. Totally. I think, like, I know for myself, like, I I use my pussy as a weapon. Like, I was like, ah, this guy, like, you know, I understood that at a young age that, like, oh, this is going to get me what I want. But is it going to get me the desired outcome after that? No. (laughs) Nine out of ten times, it did not give me the desired outcome. Like, it would get me, I would use it in a way to manipulate people or get people to fill that void. I think a lot of it was just wanting to feel, like, loved and seen and wanting someone to, like, just like me, you know? Like, I I was lacking that so much. Where So I would do those things, and I I was really good at it. Like, I was like, I can get anybody. But it wasn't for the right reasons. I could get them but they would never stay. So that was the issue that was always happening, you know? Yeah. And that's, I mean, I relate to that as well. And I'm sure lots of women and maybe men, I don't know, do as well. And that like is coming from a low self-worth, right? Like our self-worth is low. So we're seeking external validation. And for a lot of years, I was chasing that through men and through like physical experiences with men, because that was giving me a dopamine hit that was like making me feel like, okay, yeah, like I'm good. Like I'm worthy of this and that. And that is self-sabotage because that's not that's that's not helping you get closer to how you want to feel. Like your emotional motivation that you're seeking, it's like a quick fix, a band-aid, and then you're starting back at square one, but like actually even lower than that because you're you're damaging your self-trust. You're you're making your self-worth even lower through that process. So I think it's just a, a matter of being really radically honest with yourself as well. And what you were just yeah. saying actually yesterday I was just like having this this thought that came through for me and it was like one of the biggest mistakes we can make as women is doing exactly what you were just describing right like the trap that we often fall into is 
like this exchange of like our sexuality for material gain or trying to get closer to men because yeah. they have money or they can not even necessarily like for the money, but they can give us certain experiences. I see this all the time and I've lived it and I watch people do it to this day on social media and just in the world in general. It's like you're exchanging your sexual energy for experiences or for security financially for the fucking Birkin or whatever bullshit you feel like you think you need that you don't. But that is like one of the most damaging things you can do to yourself because girl, you can make your own fucking money, save the energy, build something that is going to give you the actual security that you're seeking because you're not going to get those years back and you're not going to be able to undo the trauma that you endure by putting yourself in those situations. When you are like exchanging your worth and your sexuality for experience you're trying to get something from someone else there's karmic consequences to that and you're going to learn the fucking hard way that you cannot use people without experiencing those consequences you cannot there's no such thing as a free lunch and that doesn't mean that like that person necessarily is going to do something to harm you or expect something from you but the universe will make sure that you learn the lesson from that until you stop yeah Damn, that was good. Mic drop, baby. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, um, I think too, like, I guess you can attest to this too, but like, I find if you are someone who's currently in that pattern of like casually having sex and trying to figure things out, I highly suggest just taking a break. Like even a couple months of being celibate and taking a break is going to shift your, your standard. Cause when you're in that cycle of constantly just giving that away, you don't care that much for your body. You're not protective of it or your energy. But when you take a break for a while and then go back into that, it becomes a lot harder to give that away to just anybody because you're so tapped into like your own self and who you are and what you need at that point. So I, I really think it is important to, to take a break from that for a bit, if that is what you're doing, and then really see what you need and what you want. Yeah, I love that. That reminded me, as you were explaining that, of like what it feels like to take a break from drinking, right? Like when you're drinking mm-hmm. every weekend, it's normal. And then when you take a month off and then you drink again, the experience feels like you're you're hyper aware of the experience of being intoxicated and the hangover and all of that. So it's kind of like taking a step back to actually be able to see it clearly but then that's making me think about another really interesting topic for you and for me and for a lot of people. Like there's definitely a correlation between drinking and alcohol and and casual sex and your ability to take your sexual power back. Like I feel like obviously when you're intoxicated, your inhibitions are, are I don't know, lowered or more. I don't really know what that word means when I think about it. But like you're, you're not your highest self you start to have impaired judgment and make decisions that you might not normally make right so I think that there's kind of a common thread in a lot of people who are exploring celibacy or abstinence or just like taking a break in order to harness that sexual power it's a lot easier Mm -hmm. to do that when you're also not drinking or musically impairing yourself in any way I used to say all the time, I probably would have slept with like 80% less of the people I did if I wasn't drinking. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Yeah, I'd still but be it's a like, virgin. It's, it's, 
It's true though. It's because you're like, yeah, your, your guards down, your walls down, your intuition does not exist when you're drunk. So all of those things that you would normally be able to pick up on, you just can't like, you know, sometimes I, I remember thinking, like asking my friends, like, is this person actually hot? Cause I couldn't even tell, like, you know, being to that point where you're that lit. And I'm sure we've all had those days of waking up and looking over me like, Ooh, uh Oh, you know, but it's like drinking is a big factor in that, which makes it easier because I think, it also takes away the fear of being seen fully, right? Like when, and I know for me, even still, like to think about having sex with someone soberly now that wasn't my partner, like it's still, a, I'm like, oh, wow, to think of someone seeing me in that vulnerable state, like someone else, like it's so weird to think about, but it's, that is where like the true magic lies. It's like having someone truly see you at your most vulnerable and still wanting you and still desiring you, right? Yeah. But it's like drunk, it's like, I don't know. It's just never going to have the same effect. You're never, your judgment's just way too impaired. Yeah. And I mean, it's self-abandonment at the end of the day, right? Like when we yeah. are drinking to, to engage or like even just like hooking up with people to try and create some kind of outcome for ourselves, you're abandoning yourself. And like when it comes to drinking and hooking up, that becomes so normalized. They become so intertwined. Like it becomes like the only way that we know how to experience intimacy. Like for so many people, when they enter sobriety or they, you know, are sober curious or whatever, we have to like relearn how to like in, in interact and be physical with people from, from, from being sober. Cause normally we have that social lubricant and like takes the edge off and it makes everything easier to hook up with people or even like a kissing and like that type of shit is usually like when you're out for drinks or whatever. So it's like a whole new world of re-exploring that through the lens of actually just being yourself and being human and being vulnerable. And like, I don't know about you, even like kissing so simple I remember being drunk like oh I just made out with that person whatever I, but like kissing someone sober now is so intimate to me like I would be like oh, you you know like when you don't have those that alcohol that lubricant is like you said it, it's like yeah those things actually become so much more sacred because you're just so aware of the experience that's right in front of you and that's happening and your feelings and I don't know it's it's definitely I find tricky for people once they are starting to or stopping drinking to reinvent, not reinvent, but like, where do I meet people now? How do I do this? Like, I feel that too. Like, I'm like, oh, I would just go out all the time and meet people, but I don't, not going out and drinking all the time. So like, well, where do you meet people? You know, like it takes, it takes a little bit to adjust to that and start figuring that out. And like going to maybe groups or going to activities where people are doing similar things that you like, you know, like you have to shift it out of that bar scene to like the healthy things that you like and the person you're becoming and you will meet people that way who are also doing those things but if you're just living in a bar all weekend long you're never going to have that opportunity to meet those kinds of people totally yeah I think that's a great a great insight and a really common curiosity or question is like well how do I meet people if I'm not drinking it's like I meet way more dudes now than I I mean obviously I met guys when I was partying all the time but like those weren't real connections like I build real connections and for me at this point in my life a, a relationship or any level of intimacy is going to start with a friendship. Like you are going to yeah. have to get to know me. You're going to have to gain my trust. You're going to have to like 
you know, it's going to be friendship first. And if you're not down for that, then you're not down for that. And we have different priorities. And I've, I've experienced that as well. There's a lot of guys who are just looking for sex or they just want something fun and casual or whatever, you know, words they use to describe it. Um, easygoing. I, I see that like when it comes to online dating and someone's profile, a guy says that he wants an easygoing girl. It's like, okay, so you want to call the shots? That's what you're saying? Pretty much? Like, so you want things on your terms, but yeah, the whole, oh my God, the whole easy going with the flow, <laughs> that just irks me too. Yeah. So. I've met way more guys now, like quality yes, men yeah. now, because I'm actually living a life that is in alignment with my soul. So I meet really great guys at yoga. I meet really great guys in the spiritual community. I meet really great guys like doing outdoor things like kayaking and like actually living my life according to what brings me joy instead of just constantly trying to avoid my life by drinking and doing things that are self-destructive. So just trust yourself, get to know yourself, do that experimentation into what actually you enjoy, and then just do that and trust the process. Totally. I think it's too, like, being very, also, like, I would say too, I would say you're someone who does get approached by men quite a bit, like, or just, like, they'll come up to you. But I think it comes down to, like, the energy be aware of the energy that you are carrying when you're out and about. Like if you are someone who is walking like with your head down all the time or your shoulders shrugged or your arms crossed, like that is not an open energy and no one's going to go. Like, I remember this one friend, she'd say, Oh, all these men always like you and they don't like me. And I said, well, I'm dancing, having fun being free. And you are sitting over there leaned against the wall with a drink. So the energy, you look like you're closed off, right? So it's like, if you are wanting men to approach you and talk to you and like essentially court you in that sense, you have to also kind of give them that like body language in the sense that you are open to receive that. You are wanting, like you are just open, you know, you're smiling, you're whatever it may be, but it's just, if you are really, really, really closed off and look like you don't want anyone to talk to you and you're just like head down, mishing through life really fast, then you're probably going to pass by on a lot of people. Yeah, I just heard something really good about that too. And it's like offering the invitation. And that pretty much is the same thing as what you were saying in terms of encouraging that healthy masculinity, that mature masculinity is like, yeah, you have to like, make it clear that you're open to being approached and that you're interested in maybe getting to know someone. So not being an ego and not being too cool and not being in fear either. It's like being Mm -hmm. open, being like receptive and like, you know, maybe like, somehow making it clear that you would like to actually engage with that person or speak to them instead of being an ego and like pretending they don't exist or pretending you're too cool. Yeah. Like even simplest things just as even like eye contact, like I, you know, like I see it with men, like I know they're looking at me and if I'm interested in them, I will look at, give them a look too. And most of the time they will come over after that, but it's like, and come talk. But if you are just like never going to look that way or you're just like, ugh, I'm too, yeah, too cool for this. Like whatever. Don't expect them to because that man does not see a place in your life when you have that energy. So it's like, yeah, being open. And if you're not into it, you're not into it. But I just see too many people wanting those things but are so closed off. And it's not, yeah, like, or like, should I go talk to them? And I'm like, I don't think it's about that. But it's about just giving them a signal that you're interested, you know, like, and having that presence and being in your feminine. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And energy doesn't lie. So the more that you can get to know your energy and become a little bit more aware and sensitive to the energy that you're giving off and the energy that you're receiving, like I know instantly 
when I enter a room and there's a connection energetically between me and a guy and I'm, I'm never wrong. Like I was, when I first got to Sydney, I was at the gym and there was a guy that was like, we were just kept making eye contact and I was like, Oh, like this is a thing. You know what I mean? Like, and it just is, you can just tell. And that comes from both sides. Like you have to be aware of like where, when that is, and then you actually can control whether that turns into something or doesn't based on your body language. Like you're saying, you can, you can show that you're open and interested or you can shut that down. I had a somatic therapist who was like, you have a very strong presence and you don't realize it, but you like invite or shut shit down. Like simply with like the way that like I move my eyes and like, I I make myself approachable or unavoidable, like with very subtle, subtle things in my, in my body language and even in just my aura. Mm-hmm. it's very it, yeah it's exactly what I'm saying then too it's like just I don't know yeah just knowing that like you can you can shift a lot or call a lot of people in just by your body language but it's about being aware of it first yeah it all comes down to just knowing yourself more yeah deeply more yes. deeply more deeply more deeply and then everything else just becomes clear it does Oh, this has been really good, actually. I feel like I've got a lot out that I've wanted to talk about. Oh. Yeah, cool. Well, yeah, no, I think this has been wonderful. I hope that anyone listening um, has taken something valuable away from this and has appreciated this conversation. Definitely share this episode with anyone in your life that you think may appreciate it. Um, Camille, if my audience here is not already following you from last time, where can they find you on the internet? Um, you guys, I mainly use Instagram, so you could follow me at, um, at underscore Camille LaFrance, and that is my page. If you have any questions, want to chat, always open. Um, but yeah, I felt like it feels really good doing this and like getting that knowledge out there because I feel like so many people struggle with this stuff and it's just, we've been in this, we've been in your same position too. Like we would never be the people we are today if we didn't get the help we needed or work with mentors or work with coaches to understand how these things work. No one really taught us these things. So it's about just like being open to like getting to know yourself the best you can in order to have the best relationships in your life, whether it's platonic or romantic. And with yourself. And yeah, it really just comes down to awareness, building more and more and more and more and more awareness of self and awareness of just even how humans work and it's taken a team like we don't have any knowledge like we're not special we've just been through it and we've always like been seeking out the next person who can help us on the journey like it's been a fucking army of people who have gifted me with the awareness that I have like I'm talking group therapy multiple therapists so many coaches so many spiritual leaders so many mentors like so many different people that I have resourced paid gotten close to in order to like figure this shit out so the the best thing you can do is invest in yourself financially or just in terms of who you're giving your time and energy to in order to build that out like figure out who you are so that you can figure out what you need yeah just knowing self is the best thing you can do i love it yes okay so one question for you, like, what is the main thing that you're helping your clients achieve right now? Like if someone's listening and they're wanting to work on like themselves from a relationship perspective, what's the, what's the thing that you're helping people work through? Yeah. So my, 
I currently have a program right now. It's for women. Um, it's an eight week program and it's honestly, whether you're in a relationship or single or in the dating world, whatever it may be, it's really about just coming to know yourself, learning the difference between the masculine and feminine, how to embody them, learning the different styles of communication, learning boundaries, non-negotiables, learning about sex, learning about shadow work, like all of these things that we have suppressed as women or weren't taught. Like I really am trying to help women become the most empowered versions of themselves, whether they're dating or whether they're in a relationship, it's about you understanding yourself and becoming being able to be assertive, being able to speak up for you what you want, trusting yourself, trusting your intuition, just being the bad bitch you were meant to be. Yeah, fuck yeah, I love that. So good. So check me out if that is resonating for you, if that's what you're seeking in this chapter of your life at this point in your journey, hit her up. Um, thank you, my friend, for joining me and having this powerful conversation with me and also just always being there for me to hold space and share, share your perspective when uh, the universe continuously sends these tests and these signs. They don't stop. No, I, no, I feel grateful too. I'm glad we got to do this and yeah, no, it's it's just nice having people in the same community that think the same, that want similar things and just working together and being able to collaborate is amazing. So thank you for having me. Yeah, it's all about just the conversations. So it goes back to that piece of like the community that you create for yourself and the environment that you put yourself in. Like I was thinking about that too when I went through that experience with that certain guy just recently. If I was with in my previous friend groups and I didn't have these like super intelligent, super self-aware, like massive community of women around me to hold space for me and like to, to connect me back to my, my truth, that could have gone a different way. So it really goes to show the power of surrounding yourself with like-minded people with similar values.